put on the uniform and found myself. I served my country and fell in love with me. Travel the world being all I could be. God showed me here is where I'd be. Always on time. Hello and welcome. This is Bridgette McCoy of Women Veterans Social Justice Network here on Heroes Media Group. And today I have the distinguished honor of talking with Nilasha Montgomery. Uh, she is an athletic director. She's a health and wellness professional and also a military veteran with 10 years of experience in the Army. So I'm very glad to have one of my Army colleagues here on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We will get right into it because there's a lot I want to cover with you, especially with the type of work that you're doing. It's amazing to me when women come out of the military are still serving and we see just this this spectrum of work that everyone is doing. I'm like, wow, our our civilian counterparts have no clue the various roles that we play in the military and how we bring those skills out of the military. And so I, I want to talk about that, but I first want to get into why you decided to go in the military in the first place. Mm. What, was this, what was the driving factor for military service? So fun fact, first of all, thank you for having me. That's actually a funny story. So my husband was in the military first. When I met him, he had just finished his Ranger indoctrination program is what it used to be called for anybody that wanted to join a Ranger unit. And that I met him in his hometown in Indianapolis. He had just finished that. So we, you know, got to talk and whatever, eventually turned into marriage. I moved to Fort Benning, working for Lifetime Fitness. Then the the market crash happened in 2008. And when that happened, I decided to move closer to my husband to kind of consolidate, because we were living in two different households at the time, wow. to consolidate our funds. Yeah, so we could, because I didn't want to give up my, my career. I, I was enjoying my civilian career. And um thought that I would find a great job, never found the job. He was deploying on and off constantly, because Rangers, they deploy, you know, four months gone uh, on a deployment, four months of training, and then four months home. And in one of those breaks, he was like, well, you've been really looking for a job for a long time. He's like, well, if you join the military, you could be an officer because you already have your degree. So, you know, that could, you know, help us out. And I was like, man, you know, I never thought about that. So he deployed, and I started talking to a recruiter. When he got back, I was already signed up. But he was like, well, I didn't really think you were going to do that. (laughs) Wow. But the type of person I am, if you know, I'm a solutions-driven person. So if yeah. you, we got a problem and you give me a solution, if I can physically do it, let's go. And so that's right. what happened. So that's how I joined the military. He was already in, had been in by that point three years, and wow. then I joined. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. I, you know, I've and as you, as our listeners listen to our podcast. Over time, it's always interesting to me the different, um, you know, factors that, you know, get women to decide, you know, going in the military somewhere. Sometimes it's the spouse, sometimes it's the brother, sometimes it's the parent, sometimes it's the coworker. you know, all of these things, you know, are reasons. And I know that the news always makes it seem like it's one thing. But really, oh, the yeah. reasons for going in the military are varied. They're so varied. I mean, there is a sense of 
like obligation to do something for the for our country and so right. Yeah, but a lot of times that's not the first thing you think of. That's like mm-hmm. after you've decided to do it, it's like that's a that is a, a core factor. But it's not like you're not sitting somewhere like oh to serve my country I'm going to the military. It's more like oh this is going to benefit me academically or professionally or mm-hmm. socially or emotionally or to be you know like in your case. To shift, you know, my career so that I can, I can move, you know, be closer to my husband and at the same time serve, you know. So there's like all of these different things that uh, really bring women, I perceive, bring women to this place of wanting to serve uh, in the military. Mm-hmm. And so there are other branches of service you could have mm-hmm. joined. And so why did you choose the Army specifically? So, so honestly, um, so, you know, let me back up. When you were just talking, I was thinking about it because I don't think I've ever truly admitted to this. But I honestly thought of the military, my military decision to join, it was for me, it was a job. It was like, is this a, a job that I could do? that could be a stepping stone to something else or professionally get me where I want to go. That literally was is what I was thinking. You know, it's distinguished to be an officer. There's not many black female officers. I'm just going to exactly. say it, right? Exactly. And so I was like, you know, this could be an opportunity for me to, you know, delve into a different career path, but yet do something that's distinguished and still serve my country and so you know on top of it so it was like okay I don't really see any cons here when I joined like I didn't really see any cons so fast forward um I joined the army I actually originally talked to the air force okay because I had a lot of friends who had done the air force and I knew the air force treated you very well and so I was like I'm doing air force well because of my body mass, I, like I said, I was a personal trainer. I worked for Lifetime before I joined, and I was a bodybuilder. So I, I was very um, muscular, but also dense. And they wanted their Air Force officers to be a certain height and weight. They did not mm-hmm. want me to be taped. They did not want any of that. So that recruiter straight up told me, you would need to lose, like, 20 pounds if you <laughs> want to decide to. Yes, straight up to my face, told me. You cannot join the Air Force as an officer. You can be enlisted, but you can't be an officer because this is the height and the weight done. And this is back in 2008, 2007, 2008. And so I, um, one of my, actually one of my good girlfriends at the time, she was a recruiter. Her husband and my husband worked together. They were in Ranger together. Her husband was my husband's first sergeant maybe or something like that. And so she was a recruiter. She had just gotten the assignment and she was like, well, come meet up with me and let's talk. And I talked to her and I was like, this is the experience I had with the Air Force side. And she was like, oh, we got to wait for everything. You'll be fine. And, um, and, that's, and that's how that happened. But the Air Force wouldn't take me because of my height and my weight. They were like, nope, you need to be, if you're 5'3", you need to be one, I think it was like 130. And I was like, oh, no. Like, I was like 150. And, um, and they were like, nope. Can't do it. Like, you, you gotta lose that weight before you come in. And I, mind you, wow. 300 PT score, um, on the Army side. I mean, I'm fit, right? They're like, nope, nope, you can come back when you, when you lose that weight. And I was like, well. I've seen some of the Air Force folks, and I don't know, that's, that's itchy. Right? <laughs> Shocking. I was like, really? But you know what yeah. the reality is? I don't think they were hurting for numbers. They didn't need yeah. the numbers as where at that time the Army needed the numbers. 
And yeah. so, and it was very apparent because as soon as I got out of Bolick, two weeks later, I was in Iraq. Like, it was not a game. So, um, it's, you know, it's a numbers game. And I don't think they were hurting for people. And then the other reality was they told, they straight up told me in the Air Force side, we cannot keep you with your husband. We're not going to guarantee that. But the Army has a married Army couples program where wherever you go, your husband goes, or wherever, you know, your husband goes, you go. Um, funny story about that is, well, I joined as an officer. My husband was enlisted, and he was always in special operations. And oh, me being an officer, they were like, well, you have to serve two years on duty station. And I got varying um, answers on what that really meant. The two years on duty station, is it from, you know, does it include my deployment time? Is it from date of my orders? Is it, you know, boots on ground, signed in? Like, what are, you know, where are we seeing what date to what date? And uh, it was it was a struggle. I constantly had to turn in packets, 4187s, to go with my husband because he was in special operations. And he could only go three places in the entire country. <laughs> and here I oh, am, no. a medical officer. And they were like, you can't go with him because you have to finish your two years here as an officer. And it was just like, oh, my God, why is this so hard? So, yeah, that's why I chose Army. Yep. Yeah, so when you... So as you went through your career, so where are you now at your, with your career with the military? So I am a fish. I resigned my commission as a captain. Um, we're we're in Colorado. Uh, my husband is still currently active duty. He is um, he is pending separation. We're we're waiting to know he hasn't gotten orders for that that separation or DD two you know two fourteen or anything or whatever that's called. But he. Um, but I um, followed him here. Um, I've been following him. I got off of active duty service back at Fort Lewis when we were stationed there together, and that's where we had our son. And when we had our son, I, when we decided to start, you know, having children or have, having a child, I decided to get off of active duty because it was just we were constantly deploying on opposite schedules. So then I entered the reserve, did a reserves unit here. We got moved, kind of bounced around after that. Um, but we ended up landing in, in at Fort Carson. So we're in Colorado and I got um I completely resigned my commission and finally got the orders for that. My discharge orders were for September of last year. So it hasn't even been a full year that I've been discharged from the reserve. Oh, but yep. Ended up serving a full ten years, even though I my obligation was eight and that was my intention was to put in that um, resignation at the eight-year mark so that I didn't have to go into IRR or have, you know, be stop-loss or, you know, them call me back in when they, you know, if the numbers, you know, got low again, I wanted to be done, done. And now I'm happy I did it that way because my son is um, actually just got back from taking him to school. So I can yeah. be here present with him, not worried about oh. getting some orders to go somewhere. It, it just, to, it's a it's a burden lifted to be able to be that parent for my child. So, so do you all believe that um, Colorado Springs is the area that you are going to stay, or do you have other aspirations for um, you know where you where you want to continue to you know um, work and live and all of those things? You know, we have no idea because <laughs> for the first time. You know, once my husband gets his orders to be, you know, separated out, I mean, we are not going to be waiting on orders for the first time in our lives. So, and we're not going to be told where you'll go, you know. 
And so I don't know that we know where we, I don't know that we've even thought about it. Um, originally, his plan was originally to stay in for like 20 years. He's been in 14 years. So there's kind of six years of this gap, like, oh, well, now we need to start thinking about this now. And, um, but it's, it's good. It's just, we, we have not, we have no clue for the first time. We can go wherever we want to go, do whatever we want to do. <laughs> and it's, Isn't it's that very, <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. And, but it's kind of daunting, right? Um, yes. You know, we've been, so my husband and I have been married 13 years. He's been in 14 years. Um, you know, I did 10 years. And our lives, our, I mean, our entire lives together have been dictated by, you know, by RFO or order. You know, you go in here, you do it. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, we can literally live anywhere. Like, and not just in the U.S., like anywhere in the world if we want. In the to. world in the world and yeah. <laughs> right and it's it's like wow we never even I mean we didn't think we were gonna have to think about this right for another maybe four years and now you know now's the time so we we bought the house that we live in now because we he was at SF group and since he's getting out we did decide we're gonna stay here we bought bought this house so we'll be here for at least I don't know probably another five years and then we'll figure out <laughs> I mean unless stuff. some really great opportunity comes up for either one of you that's like we can't take us away. Up. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be and, the and, only, that would probably be the only thing. And, and with both of your history in the military and, and your work, Elijah, it's, um, you, you really have the foundation for opportunities like that to come to you. So, um, I I, you know, uh, you know, that's me kind of looking across all of the many people that I've worked with and talked with and, and all of that to, to, kind of say that to you and and there are lots of opportunities out there um and i'm sure we'll talk some more offline but i want to get back to a couple of things because one the work that you do um as an athletic director and health and wellness professional i think mm-hmm. it's important that our listeners understand um like the scope of the work that you do because <clears throat> a lot again a lot of times um in the civilian sector People don't recognize women in certain types of roles. And for sure, health and wellness from a physical part of it, people don't recognize us in those roles. They usually Mm -hmm. see us as like the person that's like with the clipboard and like, oh, and let me take your information. And then they scoot you off to some dude that helps you get buff and get your body squared away. (laughs) Right. Um, Right. You know what I'm saying? Or they're looking at Instagram health and wellness people who are, you know, posing and doing all these, these different things, but they're not like, like in there. Right. Right. So tell us a little bit about, about your um, professional experience, because I think it will be enlightening for our listeners and myself as well. Oh yeah. So I, um, I've always been in sports. Let me just preface that. So I've never, I think I kind of, uh, I'm kind of an anomaly because I have a lot of good friends and I mean, even they were my clients at one time and we're still really good friends. Um, and we became really good friends. And then I have friends that I've had forever and they've become my clients. I've helped them, you know, lose weight or get in shape for something or whatever the case is. So the point is I'm kind of an anomaly because of all these folks that I, that I talk to and deal with on a daily basis, majority of them, like 90% of them, hate working out point blank period they do not enjoy running or cycling or biking or any of that typically they don't enjoy sports 
or mm-hmm. just working out. Mm-hmm. I have always done sports since I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, even before that, I can remember, I just wanted to be outside running around. I was a tomboy, so I was constantly at the creek with the, with the little boys playing with mm-hmm. the frogs and tadpoles. And my mom was like, why? Like, she wanted a, you know, really frilly little girl. She always put me in these <laughs> frilly socks and I would take them off and hide them. And she would want to put me in pink and I would be like, no, I just want to throw in this blue and go. And so anyway, I'm kind of an anomaly because I've always been that person. Like I love to get dirty and just like, and sweat. That's just me. And I know that's weird, but that's just me. So with that being said, fitness and health did not come hard to me. It was very easy. It's always been something easy for me to do in my life. I don't have to work hard at it, and it just makes sense. Um, and I know that that's not the case for majority of the population. So um, uh, just doing sports, I ran track from eight years old all the way to my sophomore year of college. Um, I, in there, I also tried other sports. I did basketball. I was on a three-on-three. Um, I did Gus Macro. It was like this tournament that was really huge in the Midwest. I did that. I mean, I've just always been into sports. So when it was time to pick a career in college, I was like, oh, I'm just going to do something with exercise. Then I started getting into the science behind it and mm-hmm. fell in love. And actually, when I was little, my parents told me, well, you always wanted to be a doctor. So I was always obsessed with how the body works. And so, and, and it's funny, actually, my um, my aunt, I just graduated with my MBA, right? And my aunt just sent me a letter and, you know, my, my aunts and Wait, uncles. don't gloss over that. Don't gloss over that. You just graduated with your MBA? Mm-hmm. My master's oh. in business administration. And it's, it's kind of funny Congratulations. because I kind of... <laughs> thank you. It, it cracks me up, though, because it's, it's not what I was originally, like, set to do. But it's mm-hmm. interesting how paths and careers, you know, I was listening to, I'm listening to Lean In by mm-hmm. Cheryl Sandberg, and she talks about how we've always thought of careers as a ladder. And she's mm-hmm. like, no, it's a jungle gym. And mm-hmm. so, so with that, I originally, my parents thought I was going to be a doctor. So this letter, my aunt just sent me congratulating me for my MBA. She's like, it's funny because I always thought you were going to be a doctor of some sort. But I remember as you got into college and really learning about the body and how it works and how exercise and nutrition and how all of that fits into that, you decided not to be a doctor. And it's just interesting because a lot of folks still go that route. I decided not to because I felt like, hmm, modern medicine, especially Western medicine, like, I'm really not going to get to treat people until they're on their deathbed or they've already hit a huge, you know, health issue, a health concern. That's when the doctors come in, right? I don't want to be on that side of it. I'd rather teach people how to be healthy so they, get, they don't right. have to. Exactly. <laughs> and so, of course, my parents were like, well, we sent you to school for that. Like, we were hoping you were going to be this, you know, doctor doing all these and I'm like, nope, I'm going to be a personal trainer. And they're like, what? You could have done that, you know, with a, you know, a certification, not even gone to school. But I will say, I think that with my education, I've been able to help a lot of friends evade and, and keep away some illnesses that um, a lot of them, I mean, let's be real, in the black community, a lot of them are hereditary. Like mm-hmm. you, 
nine times out of ten, you're going to end up with diabetes or you're going to end up with something. I mean, it's just what it is. My dad has high blood pressure, and he overall looks like a healthy man. But these are things that you have to move. You have to keep your system constantly moving like an engine. And when you get stalemated, that's when the ailments start to happen. And so then I decided instead, okay, I'll go to physical therapy school just because I can help at least injuries. Like, then I know that people are moving. But that's not true either. A lot of the times as a physical therapist, you're bedside helping people post-surgery, post-operation. They got a knee replacement. They did this. They did that. Well, what happened? They had a fall or something like that. Well, why? Because they're not used to using those limbs anymore. They're pretty sedentary people. And I'm like, man, America, let's go. Like, let's move. Let's, you know, not be this way. But it's hard. And, so. and that is hard because what I find is that movement and strength and, and strength training, strength training can yes. be one of those areas that people don't pay attention to. So if you fall, you don't know how to fall. Do you know what I'm saying? Exactly. We're not training people how to move in such a way that if there is mm-hmm. something that happens, that they, they don't injure themselves more. And so exactly. all of those pieces are, are, are important. And what I find also is that, especially for our women, our women veterans, we're, like, active while we're in the military, and then Mm -hmm. things slow down to, like, molasses pace once you get out. And Mm -hmm. and so then you get into, like you say, this sedentary uh, lifestyle. At the same time, those muscles underneath that, all that goo, they're trained. They're they're highly trained, prepared. And so all they need is for you to just, like, do it. And the minute you start doing it, they go, yeah, I know this. Oh, yep. right. And they, they yep. get back into, the, the, you know, that process. And so what I found is women, I will tell them, oh, all you have to do is get out and start walking. And they're like, no, it's going to be hard. It's going to be this. And and what they're saying is in order to be consistent with it, it's going to take energy from me and consistency from me to do it. And so that part yep. is hard. But the it physicality is. of it is not. I, I rec- right. You know, I go to a chiropractor and he – um teases me about my body being, you know, like my responses being, you know, this highly trained responses. I was like, yeah, it's under a lot of goo. Once we get the goo <laughs> off of it, you know, those yeah, muscles I that you keep feeling, uh, he's like, wow, I didn't know that yeah, you got a developed muscle. He's like, do you know only 1% of the country has this muscle developed or 2%? And I'm like, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an athlete. But yep. it's just that I am not operating in that. And so I think, yeah. can you help our listeners understand that part? I said all that to get you to talk about that part, especially for our, our listeners who are women veterans, who are veterans, yes. who may yes. not be in a movement-oriented space, like give them some, you know, uh, some little tips. Yeah. <laughs> so what I do, so number one, my my career right now, what I'm doing to make money, I'm a CrossFit coach and a personal trainer, like full circle, right? That's what I do. But I'm also a mom. I'm also, you know, a veteran. I'm also, you know, wearing all these hats. I was just, I was just in school, hardcore. Oh my gosh. Like that MBA almost mm-hmm. took me out. It was so much work. It's hard. Um, yeah. I walk my son to school. He rides his scooter and I walk at a fast pace behind him. Um, awesome. If, you know, I have a, I have a dog. Her name is Coco. Uh, she needs to get out. Last time we took her to the vet, they were like, oh, she's getting a little bit on the heavy side. Okay, well, you know, we walk to the mailbox. We'll take a lap around. Take Just walking 
keeping a regimen of making sure you get walking into your day. Okay, I will park literally, uh, I don't know, 800 meters away from Target, you know, from the door and walk in. Yeah, I'll get a little, you know, glow, but it's it's good enough to, like, get some steps in. I got myself a smartwatch that counts my steps and reminds me when I'm not moving. If I haven't moved yeah. in an hour, it will be like, hey, time to get up. So I set it to do squats because I know squats are going to be the best thing um, instead of some torso twists, I think, were the originating thing. Like, little stuff like that. As soon as I wake up in the morning, I got this from Dr. Oz. I go straight to the kitchen, and I grab some water, and I put a cap full of some um, called apple cider vinegar, and that just sets my pH at a level, and it makes me kind of hungry so that I can eat something when I wake up. Fuel, oh, my God, food is, like, the biggest thing. You're going to have energy if you eat. You know, if you eat decent, I'm not even going to say eat well, just eat decent. And what decent mean is eat breakfast, eat something, or maybe it's a shake or something, you know, anything that you like that, you know, maybe it's a breakfast essential, whatever you find in a supermarket that you're like, okay, I like this, I'm going to grab it. It's so important just to to have that energy, eat something as soon as you wake up and break the fast. Otherwise, you're going to already start off sluggish in the morning, right? And then it carries on to the middle of the day. By the time nighttime comes, you're like, I'm supposed to walk my dog. I'm dog tired. Forget this. You know what I mean? Just little stuff like that. I mean, I just named off probably, what, eight things. <laughs> and it's like, right. And so let people know that it's an algorithm. It's not an addition like one plus this plus this equals this. It's like this plus this over this times that divided by this to the square root right. of this times that. It's right. like this this lifestyle. Um, I just this lifestyle. Um, yeah. It's a lifestyle. I just lost about 35 pounds. And when Woo-hoo. people ask me, yes, thank you. When people ask Amen. me that, they're like, oh, tell me what you did. Well, before that 35, I lost another 35. And I do it in like little oh, wow. sprints because yeah. it's like, it works for me because it lets mm-hmm. my body not freak out. Because if you right. lose a bunch of weight, then your body's like yes. freaking out. And it's like, oh, we got to get that back. But if you lose Truth. it in a little bit and then mm-hmm. live your life, and then come back and lose a little bit more and then live mm-hmm. your life, it, you'll, you'll be able to take it off. And so, yep. um, but it's, it's a process. It's like when people yeah. want to know, I'm like, well, I take vitamins and I, I eat at a certain time and I, you know, eat this many calories at this time while I'm doing the weight loss part. But when I'm not doing the weight loss part, I'm doing this thing. And then I like to walk. So, you know, I We'll walk five or six or eight miles. I would just walk it. I would See? get out there. There you go. Um, See? Yeah. But that's not all of it. It's not because people are like, oh, you're exercising. I was like, the, when I lost the weight, I wasn't doing any exercising at all. I was just like walking Obviously. periodically. Yeah. And that wasn't even every day. So I but, think it's, it's the little things add up over time. Mm-hmm. And I think that folks need to get that. Keto is great. And you know, um, you know, re- reducing sugar and caffeine and all these these things out of your your diet, because um, you don't want to lose weight. You want to reduce your weight because you lose it. You got exactly. to find it again. <laughs> you want to just reduce exactly. your weight. Uh, and and I think that overall, when you're talking about health, it's the mind. I had to go to a behaviorist to help me with my mm. mind. I was just so that was going to be my next thing. <laughs> Along, that was going to be my next thing because it's it's not hard for me. I just told you how it's not hard for me 
because I've been in this mindset since I was a little girl, right? Mm-hmm. So this is just second nature to me. But for my friends, a lot of my friends and my clients and, you know, people who become friends and, you know, whatever, they, their mindset is not, that's not the first thing on their mind. It's not even the fifth thing on their mind. It's not even the, the fifth thing on their mind. Right. <laughs> it's like, right. what? Right. So they're like, man, I really have to work hard to think about this. But once mm-hmm. just thinking about it, just putting it in the forefront of your mind, it becomes a habit. And then you mm-hmm. don't have to think about it anymore. It's just like any anything you learn, right? Yeah. When I started this MBA program, I felt like a fish out of water. And it was like, this yeah. is so hard. Don't get me wrong. It was so hard till the end. But... Things came second nature by the time I got to my, you know, capstone, by the time I got to that last class. It was like, oh, okay, find this, you know, net present value, got it right here. That it's the same thing. When you learn something new, you have to change your mind. Then it becomes a mindset. Then you don't have to think about it. That It's just a part of your life, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to just go for this walk. Or, oh, yeah, you know what, instead of that, I'm just going to have this boiled egg. I don't, I don't really want, you know what I mean? It just, it, right. and then you find, you try to go back to the fried chicken, you're like, ooh, I can only eat one piece. I used to be able right. to eat the whole thing. You know what I mean? And it's, right. it just, it does, it does. And having grace, this is what I've learned. Cause people judge their process every yeah. step of the way. I even do it. Even now, even being a fitness professional, right? Or, you know, a fitness director. I judge my own. And it's like, give yourself grace because if you find something you like, like you found that you like walking. I know people are like, I hate walking. They'd rather run or, they hate all of it. They'd rather just weight train in the gym. They don't want to walk, run, or they'd nothing. They rather salsa like you, or right? they rather salsa. <laughs> yep, I love to dance. That's one of my modes. I love to. And then you got people like you will never find me on a dance floor. I do not. Oh, like I love it. it. You have you have to find what you love, and don't don't try to make yourself do something you hate because that's you're not gonna do it. Like that's just yeah. straight up. You don't like it, you're not gonna do it. So um, find what you love, and then. Do more of that. And I think that's a meme that everybody, like, posts, right? Like, find what you love and just do more of it. And eventually yeah. you get to your goal. And that's how you did it. When you, and when so people want to ask you, you know, they ask you, well, how did you do it? I found something that I loved, and I started do, doing more of it. And that's it. <laughs> and you can lose the weight, too, or do whatever you want to do, you know? You're listening to WVSJ, the Women Veteran Social Justice Network. And so I'm looking at... Uh, just my notes that you also are a philanthropist. Now, let me tell you how I see see this. People say, "Oh, I'm a volunteer," or "I donated my hours," or, or "I did whatever." But when I look at, <clears throat> especially our women veterans who serve, um, when I look at the level of air quotes volunteering, I'm like, <laughs> if your name was if your name was Bill Gates, you would be considered a philanthropist at the level of your air quotes mm. volunteering and donating time and all of your energy. Mm-hmm. So in WVSJ and Women Veterans Social Justice Network, um, all mm-hmm. of our ambassadors and senior ambassadors are philanthropists, and that's something that they had to get wrapped their brain around as uh, like, oh, I'm a philanthropist, but you are. And so I'm looking mm-hmm. at your, all this volunteer time and all of these, these, these donations and giving to the community and um, doing community outreach. Tell me, like, where did that um, come from? Where did Where did you figure out that that's what you wanted to do? You know, that, so that was something that I've got to thank my parents for um, instilling that into me also. When we, we, we didn't have much. We were poor. <laughs> it's kind of funny. We were poor, but we still volunteered uh, at Soup Kitchen. We still went to, so before my mom married my stepdad, who's my dad, that's my daddy, uh, 
she was a single mom, and she lived at the Salvation Army. Uh, I lived with her at the Salvation Army um, when she was escaping a bad relationship uh, prior to my, my stepdad. And so when she found my stepdad, they, they are both very um, heavy in the church, and she was like, I'm always going to give back to that organization that helped me. So me, my mom, my dad would go volunteer at the Salvation Army. We would volunteer at the soup kitchen. My dad would drive the um, church van and pick up those, you know, maybe they were elderly or they were, you know, they just didn't have a vehicle to bring them to church. He did that for, God, 10 years. Um, then once they had my little sisters, we all would go and volunteer. So it was just always instilled in me by action, like, this is what you do. You get a little bit, you give back to where you were before. So, like, my mom, like, I lived at this shelter. I will always, yeah, we got our own house. I mean, shoot, we even moved into the suburbs. She's like, we will still give back to the Salvation Army because they took care of us, you know what I mean? And hopefully then they can take care of the next person that needs and they can get where we are and we can move forward. So that sense of community, my parents always instilled in me. We always give, 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 whatever we have. Um, my husband's the same way. We'll be out and he'll see somebody, a young man and whatever, and he'll be like, oh, my belt just broke and that's why my pants are falling down. He's like, here, take my belt because we don't want your pants falling off your butt because we know what that implication is. We want you to be that perceived as that young man that has it together. Here's the belt. Here's my shirt. Here's, you know, here's the collared shirt, whatever. Um, I got bags downstairs right now that are supposed to go to uh, wherever I'm going to donate, wherever I see the donation boxes or whatever, I'm doing it. Uh, churches, schools, whatever it is. I'm a part of the PTA. That It's just a part of life. So then on top of that, um, I'm a part of a sorority. Um, it's called Fade and Uzai, Multicultural Sorority Incorporated, and we are a social justice sorority. We are all about um, those who um, don't have a voice in America, um, especially women and especially minority, but also majority because the majority of women, I mean, women still don't make the same as men, whether no matter what your race is. So um, those are the discrepancies that we're trying to hit. Um, our national president right now is running for Senate in Virginia. We are trying to infiltrate um, the the government so that we can start working on these issues that uh, affect women. Um, and then the next layer is a lot of minority women and different, you know, minority groups are in the forefront right now. But um, we truly believe that if we can advance all women, then, you know, as different racial groups might be targeted at differing times, let's be honest, you know, you never know who it might be in the next five years, um, we can still be advancing women. So that's my sorority. So that's where I devote a lot of my time. Um, I just stepped down from being president of the the Denver or the Colorado chapter, I should say, because we encompass all of Colorado. And then um, I'm always wanting to help veteran families. So Wish for Our Heroes, I decided to be a co-director there and help because I'm really good at organization, which is a big reason I decided to get my MBA. I'm very good at organization, business, mind, like let's, you know, let's get things done. Solutions oriented, what needs to happen. And I happen to be okay with relationships, talking to people and getting them to donate time, resources, whatever it is that we need. So, yeah, that's in a gist. It's just a part. And I'm always telling my son, we make this world better when we, when we leave it. Wherever area we're in, it must be better because we're around. If it's not, then we're not doing our job. So, and, and I, I even tell him that for cleaning. Your room doesn't look good. It needs to look better than what it looks before you walk in. This applies to everything in life, son. So, um, so yeah, I got to thank my parents for instilling that in me, for sure. 
Well, that is amazing. I am always, you know, Women Veterans Social Justice Network, uh, when we started this organization um, 11 years ago, it, it was, you know, one, people said change the name. The other thing, people said, you know, mm. women aren't going to gather together. The other people said mm. uh, women, military women, uh, you know, aren't going to want to do that kind of stuff. I mean, th- there was like a list of things that wow. I was told. And so as each year goes by, I get to knock something else off the list. That, uh, some people said they wouldn't do this and they wouldn't do this. And then as I meet other women, uh, veterans and military women who are doing great things in the community that are social justice focused, are social impact focused, it, it, it makes, uh, me feel like the decision I made, uh, in duress, because it was in duress when I made the decision to do this organization, um, that it was a good decision because I feel like it opened doors for other people to see each other doing work and be an encouragement, not so much that it it was like a competition, but more of an encouragement. There's somebody doing something, there's somebody doing something, and this is what I'm going to do, and so let's be an encouragement uh, to each other. And Mm -hmm. so um, the fact that you're a part, because this is a a touchy subject um, for our listeners, uh, there's a lot of women that say, oh, I I don't fool with women. They're so hard to deal with. I don't like being part of women groups. Uh, Talk a little bit about that. That's where I was segueing to. I wanted to kind of hear your perspective on uh, working with women and supporting women um, focus-based led groups and and organizations. So the the reality is, and I mean, it's true. (laughs) It's a stigma. But it's also, there's some truth there, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like I told you, I was listening, um, I've been listening to Lean In by Cheryl Sandberg, and she talks about that. Um, actually, I've also been listening to Brene Brown, two of her books. Yes. My husband and I listened to um, The Power of Vulnerability first, but now I am, I'm in a book club with a bunch of women, and we are listening to, or we're, we're reading, but I, like I said, I listen, I listen to podcasts, I listen to books, so I don't really read them, but I listen. And we're listening to um, Daring Greatly by um, Brene Brown. And in that, she talks about how, as women, we, we do that. We judge each other more harshly than we judge men for whatever reason. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe it's a, sh- a social cue that we've all picked up just from culture and society over years. But it's true. I was in a mommy group, but I can't remember what it was. And we were talking about, like, why do we always, you know – get so down on other mothers and da da da, da when it's already hard enough and, and it's so it's true. We do have that um that kind of negative like stigma or what you know, whatever that is. But I believe, I truly believe that if one woman sees another woman supporting, no matter what that looks like, mm-hmm. um, having grace and in and so if you can have grace with yourself, then you can begin to have that grace with other people. Right? Mm-hmm. So starts with within and then it goes without. So I'm a part of a story, and I know women can be difficult, but so can men. Oh, my so gosh. They sure can. Everybody. People. They can yes. be such, oh, my gosh. You're like, people are three. difficult. <laughs> right. Exactly. People. Yes. We are difficult. We are complex. Whether you're man or woman, female, male, it does not matter. We are complex people. And if you can get to a point where you can just be a people person, you don't even have to be a people person, just understanding yourself knowing what you can and cannot tolerate, what you can and cannot be around, and how to mitigate that, also how to navigate that, that's it. 
it's so it's not really a woman issue. And so if we can take those blinders off mm. in one way that I just never accepted it. I, I never accepted it. Um, I've never accepted that women are more difficult than men, so I can't hang out with women. I have accepted that people are difficult, and I'm going to forge ahead. And the only way that we as women are going to advance ourselves um, to any type of equality to male is that we band together. So, oh, well, who cares if we're difficult? We're going to have to do this together. And that's the only way because it's been proven that there's power in numbers. So um, if we want to see, you know, our, our women leaders continue to grow. I think it was the, not the Marines, maybe it was the Marines. I can't remember. Somebody just had their first female general. Was it, is it the Marines? I think it was the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. I want to say. I have to look it up. But the only way we keep getting each one getting ahead is we got to keep, they are going to have to step on the backs of some of us to get, keep getting there. And we got to keep supporting them and pushing them forward, pushing them forward. And the only way we could do that is band together. We can't do it individually. So, um, I just urge all the women, I know we're difficult, but so are men. Everybody's difficult. So, oh, yeah. well, let's yeah. just build better relationships and yeah. keep keep banding together because that's the only way we're going to advance all of our, our women counterparts that are doing big things. We just got to keep supporting each other. Everything. And women in are everything. doing big things. They're doing they great are. things. And I'm like, I told another sister that one time, I said, I'm, WVSJ was put in place to be the cheerleader for women veterans doing great things across the country. And yes. she kind of looked at me and said, well, who's cheering for you? And I said, oh, my God, am I, am I inside? I was like, I thought you were. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, my God. I had a moment. I was like, oh, let me clutch my pearls. I was like, oh. So it was, it, you know, it's those moments that, you know, I'm like, as far as you think you've gotten, you know, with the work, with, like you say, supporting right. and doing that. It's like, you know, coming into this community, mirroring the behavior, demanding women not, you know, if we're in my presence and we're talking, they say something negative about a woman. I'm like, you know, we're not going to continue this conversation. I mean, just yeah. holding people to yep. a, a, a standard um, yep. and then finding that even in the circle that you're in, you're like, oh, my gosh. Someone is still didn't get the memo. How did you, how were right. you this close and you didn't get the memo? Okay, mm-hmm. let me take two steps back. So, uh, right. I, I, we have a lot of work to do. Um, yes. I'm a life coach, uh, John Maxwell life coach. It, um, so I say that all the time it's to the, to the listening audience, um, that people think it's just this, you know, you clap your hands twice and people are all better. It's the behavioral changes, mm-hmm. it's, you know, incremental, um, it's consistency, mm-hmm. it's all of those things. And so I'm looking at, you know, how you um, have done your work within the community. How are you helping in the mentoring and coaching space? How are you moving and advancing uh, other women forward? So luckily, being in my um, being in my sorority, I get a chance to do a lot of that coaching and mentoring. I haven't found that space within the veteran community, but I will say. Because I live in Colorado Springs, I meet a lot of women veterans, and they don't know that I'm a veteran initially when first looking at me, and I meet a lot of active duty women. So it's kind of interesting. Some of my closest friends right now are in the, are currently serving their active duty in the military. It's interesting because I obviously have decided to no longer serve, but they still come to me and say, hey, what do you think about this? Will you read this OER? What do you think about 
and that's been my way. It's really close. It's it's in my close circle of friends, and it's just because of location, you know, where I am um, and who I see on a regular basis. But I would, so I'm getting ready to ask you, how can I serve in your group, in your um, network? Because I haven't spoken with you since Focus Forward Fellowship. And, and I knew, you know, your, your bio and I knew everything, but there was a, we were meeting a lot of people at that time and I didn't really get to hone in on it. And now that I've graduated and got that higher education degree, now I can really focus my attention again on things that I want to do. So I want to be a part of your network and see how I can serve there because I mean, man, this, that sounds like that's right up my alley, like what, what I would want to be doing. So, well, awesome. I'm ready for her. So, Absolutely, positively, no worries there. We can definitely talk some more about that. But tell our listeners um, of what Focus Fellowship is so that they, because okay. um, there may be someone that can benefit from that. Yes. So I, how did I even find out about it? it I, oh, I know how I found out about it. Got it. So uh, one, of, one of my close friends in my, net, in my close network, um, and she's actually one of my mentors, um, her name is Terrainer Brown. She was getting her Ph.D. at UCCS, and how we even met was, like, by chance. I was having coffee with a girlfriend of mine who's currently serving active duty. She joined, man, a couple of years ago, and, I mean, her and I were having heavy conversations. As a matter of fact, that's why we were at the coffee shop just talking. <laughs> um, we grew up in Gary, Indiana together. We went to middle school, high school together. But both of our husbands are active duty, so we have ended up in the same duty stations multiple times. And so she's like, I'm thinking about joining, but I don't know. And blah, blah, blah. So we were talking about that. Tarina walks over and she goes, hey, and, and I'm going to be straight up honest with you. She's like, I have never seen two black women sitting down in a coffee shop in downtown Colorado Springs. So there's just not many. The black, black population is not vast here. So those who live in Colorado Springs will know what I'm saying. And so she goes. I want to hang out with y'all because I've never <laughs> seen this in Colorado Springs. I've lived here for five years. Her husband's um, Air Force. So I was like, oh, yeah, let's connect. Let's talk. So that's how I met her. I ended up going to UCCS because I was going, like I said, I was going into physical therapy school. That was my thought process. I'm going to be a doctor this way. And so I saw her on campus, and she was like, hey, I'm going to email you this opportunity that just came across my desk. She was running the oh, – I forget the name of the program, but it was getting – those lower-income students from middle and high school to be interested in going to college so they can change their grades and or try to get better grades if they didn't have good grades or whatever it was, get their mindset towards college, even though they were in the lower-income brackets. That was her program that she ran for UCCS. And um, that's a part of her – that was a part of her research for her Ph.D. program. So mm-hmm. she's like, this Focus Forward Fellowship came across my desk. Are you a part of the VA or the uh, – not the VA, but the veterans group at UCCS? And I wasn't. And she was like, why not? And I was like, I don't know. I just didn't think about it. Um, I don't know why. And I'm still like, you know, I'm still, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to put it out there. I'm still not 100% in like the VA and doing my veteran thing. Like, right, right. I think it's well, because we got there's overlap. We got you. So I'm going to get yeah. there. I'm going to get there. But so she goes, it came across my desk. I'm going to email this to you. I think the deadline is tomorrow, but I, I thought of you immediately do this. And I was like, okay. So I'm reading over and I'm sitting in bed and I'm like, I don't know. Do I, do I do a fellowship? I don't even know if I know what a fellowship is. So I start doing my research and lo and behold, yes, I, the deadline was the next day. So I was like, oh crap, I got to get, oh my God, references, 
Yes. And so she was like, I'll be your, your reference. I'll, and I'll get, you know, and then who else? And I was like, oh, I guess I can have my boss. And so it all worked out. And then I found out like a week later, you've been chosen. Still not really sure. Like, yeah, I've read on what the fellowship is, what it does, but I've never done a fellowship. So, and then the fact that it's, you know, a women's veterans, you know, fellowship, and I'm not even in the veterans group on campus. So I'm like, oh gosh, like I'm like a fish out of water, but I'm like, you know what? Yes, I'm just going to do it. So, you know, they're like, oh, you're going to be at Fort Collins. You're going to be staying in the dorms. And I'm like, man, I'm like 30-something years old. Like, oh, gosh, it's going to be, a you know, a bunch of kids. Like, and I'm thinking, you know, all these things. And I get there, and it is one of the most professional things. The best thing, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, my God. So all these reservations I had built up in my head because I just didn't know, right? I just didn't know. And come to find out, like, Oh no! Yes, you're in these um, these dorms, but it's not like that. They're they're graduate dorms, it was, and you're a graduate student. It's not. It's nothing, you know, weird. It was everybody meshed, and yes, we all, you know. I mean, I've got I've got PTSD. You know, I talked with several of the other women veterans who had their PTSD trauma moments. We talked about those. We supported each other. We even though we all came from different services. Oh my God, different branches. Like yes. we had different similar stories. Yes. Remember that? It you was, know, so they were yes. coming from like not Vietnam but Gulf War or Vietnam. Yep. Was, there was like yep. people from different everywhere. Yes, all and and yet here we are kind of still walking this same path, being different ages, different cultures, different religions, different everything. And it was just so refreshing and so I don't even know, I don't even have words, but it was, and then seeing the mentors and seeing how they propelled, how you propelled, and I'm not going to lie, I was a little overwhelmed because I was like, wow, like, okay, scratching my head, like, well, which direction do I go now? And, um, and, and, and obviously I went in a little bit of a different direction, right? So I didn't go to physical therapy school. I got into physical therapy school. That was the whole reason. I was like, well, this has to be a good, at least a fellowship will show, you know, I'm still developing myself, so maybe that'll get me into physical therapy school. I did get into one of the 12 schools that I applied to, but it was in Texas. And my mm. husband is active duty. Like and I have a, and at that point I had a three-year-old. Uh, yeah, he was three about to turn four. And I was yeah. like, how are we going to make this, like, yes, it's my dream to become a doctor, but I'm not going to split my family up. Like, no. So I didn't go. And I cried my eyes out because I had worked hard to get into physical therapy school to get in and then say, no, I'm not going to go. It would be different if I didn't get in anywhere, right? And it was like, no, this is a lost cause. Okay, I'll reapply next year. But the fact that it was just logistically was not going to be good for my family. And I had mm. to say no. I don't know. It was a Ooh, different type of That's defeat. good. That's it was different. It, yeah. It was different. But so let's say that I'm again. Happy I need now. to hear that again. Logistically, it yeah, was not. It was that again. Logistically, it was not good for my family. So the theme here is I had given up a lot over the years to keep me and my husband together, then to keep mm-hmm. me, my son and my husband together. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to then turn around and choose mm-hmm. myself overall when I had already been in this. This is my overall goal is to keep my family unit as a unit. And if I go off, like, oh, well, good, tend for yourselves, good luck. Because I know I'm the thread that holds this family together. I know that. Mm-hmm. I know that's my role. I know that's my role in this family, and I, I take it proudly. 
So I was not then going to selfishly go, I want to be a doctor, so I'm going. So I didn't go. So I chose not to go. And so then I'm like, well, now what do I do? And I believe in the power of threes. When I'm told something three times by three different outlets, it must be something I have to do. And uh, my salsa coach, my salsa uh, instructor, Letitia Hardy, and all, all her spiciness, got her MBA from CTU. A doctor that was seeing my husband, I happened to see at a, because I was, I'm building my personal training business, right? So I had gone to My Black Colorado does like a entrepreneurship and networking, whatever. And I'm always networking. So I went, I was like, oh, I'm going to go see what this is about. And she looked at me, she's like, I know you. And she goes, I know your husband. That's how I know you. She was like, I'm your husband's doctor. You came in with him because he's got some health issues going on, and we were there to have a serious discussion. She's like, that's where I know you from. She's like, what are you doing right now? And I was like, well, I'm, you know, just building my personal training business. She's like, you should look at an MBA from CTU. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I haven't gone to UCCS all this time, right? So I'm like, CTU, yeah. I don't even know what this is. Then I can't remember the third person. Somebody else said it to me, and I was like, that's it. Okay, I'm going to CTU. I literally drove over, like, the next day, met with, instead of calling them academic advisors, they call them um, success coaches or, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what they success coaches. Mm-hmm. So I met with a success coach, and she was like, oh, yeah, we can enroll you right now. You don't have to pay a dime. You're a veteran, da, da, da. I was like, why didn't I do this a right. time ago? Right. Working so hard. I took three years of prerequisites to get into physical therapy oh, school. Oh, my God. And some of those prerequisites were able to be used for my MBA. I was done with my mm-hmm. MBA in a year and three months. That's beautiful. Yep. So it's okay because if I didn't go to UCCS, I never would have done Focus Forward Fellowship. I never would have probably met Terrainer and gotten as close to her. And she's been one of my most valued mentors recently. She's just been really pouring into me. She's like, okay, maybe you don't do the, you know, doctor of physical therapy route. Maybe you decide to do research and you do PhD instead. Maybe, like, let's talk about, you know, quit putting all these boxes up. Forget the boxes. Mm-hmm. Let's just see what happens and go that Practice. route. And and you can, yep. and you are an exercise. You, you know, each person you get a person. You, you know, this person over here needs ten reps of this, and that and that same person, a different person with the same body type. You look at them mm-hmm. and say, nope, that's not going to work for you. You're going to have to do exactly. something this little bit. You're going to tweak it this way. And so, with when I'm coaching, when I'm talking to people about their lives, I'm always telling them. Yes, you can look at someone else and get some ideas and concepts. Ultimately, it is up to you to take out mm-hmm. your crayon box and craft it the way you want it. That's your marriage. Mm-hmm. That's your family. That's your relationship. Mm-hmm. That's your, your, your professional life. That's your personal life related to like your girlfriends and your people that you hang out with. All of that is negotiable. You get to decide. Every single yep. day you wake up, you get to say, well, that was great for Tuesday on the, 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 the 20th. You know, Wednesday the 21st, I believe I need, I want to do it a little bit different. And guess who gets mm-hmm. to decide that? You. Now, of yeah. course, there's repercussions. There are things that, you know, you have to understand that if you make those changes, there's going to be some things that are going to be different across the spectrum. At the same time, though, you get to make that decision. And so it's best to, from, from a success, success coach point of view, it's best to sit down every day and say, is this the best? For me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you wake up. Is this the best for me? And I have a podcast, another podcast that I, I talk about. Do I like green beans? And I joke that it's just that basic. Your life is like, do I? You're looking at a plate. They're getting ready to put them on there. Do you like green beans? Because if you don't, <laughs> right, this is the time to tell people no, thank you. <laughs> right. <laughs> you 
you don't have to take it and say, well, I'm going I'm to just throw it away on the back end. No, because then people think, oh, she likes green beans. Let's make her green beans. Let's, let's make sure right. she has them. No, you have to let people know every step of the way. And sometimes your friends and family want to put you in a box, like, you know, and say this is where you fit. And you have to say to them, that is a part of my life. That's not my whole life. This is actually who I am. Mm-hmm. Constantly letting folks know that. And so if you can, we're about to round up this, uh, this podcast, which is great. We might have to have a second part because it's such a great, <laughs> had covered so many great topics within this. Um, give us something that, you know, we can, you can leave our listeners with related to going forward and being successful. Like one, you know, tidbit or one, you know, key concept. So our listeners can take that and move forward um, in their lives. So I, I love what you were just talking about and just kind of explaining how you get to create your life every single day. And I think, I don't know this for everyone, but I do think, at least for myself, being in the military for those 10 years, I got so maybe complacent because I was directed on every move, even your career. Like there's a, you know, there's a rubric, like, you know, once you're a lieutenant, you do this to make captain and then you do this to make major. And then if you haven't taken command, then you probably won't. And then you go this route if you do that. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's very much paved, right? You're always waiting on on that order. And so you kind of get conditioned to just wait until the next thing. And now this is the season that I'm in and you were just talking about it. And it's so pivotal to that successful life, changing that mindset or realizing or recognizing if you get in that mindset of complacency, if that's what we want to call it, or just waiting to be told what's going to be next instead of working within if you do have those parameters. Because even if you are still active duty and serving and you're being told what duty station you're going to, you can still create whatever you want to create even within that. And I think – for myself, it's very hard when you're – because I, I kept trying to do that, and sometimes I got pushed back. I got, well, no, you can't do that because you're a first lieutenant and you have to do this. You know, um, or you're, you're a captain. Um, you can't think like that. You have to do whatever the, the, the lieutenant colonel says. But, you know, that type of thing. And it kind of messes with the youth. If you can still harness that and have that, I can create every single day within whatever it is, no matter what it is, but especially – be creating for the future because you're not always going to be in the military. You're not always going to be associated with the military. So what can I be creating now that will help me once I'm no longer a part of that? Okay, fine. I know, you know, I got to be in Korea for a year. Okay. It's limited resources (laughs) there. Okay. I got, you know what I mean? And you know, that's just an example, but if we can keep that mindset of every day, I can create what I want to create. I think that's about to be my mantra because that's the space (laughs) I'm in now. Now I'm officially, it's been a year, right? Almost a year. I'm no longer waiting on waiting on an order. I'm not waiting on anything. Like, this is me. What? Okay, what are you going to do next? They used to always say, okay, make a decision, LT, when I was with him. What are you going to do? What are you going to do, LT? What's the decision? You know, I always want you to get, you know, a part of that MDMP, that military decision-making process. What are you going to do? Yeah. Well, now I really get to decide what I'm going to do with no real ramifications of it other than whatever those natural consequences that happen. And they can be great. They can be amazing. I, I love that. That that's what I'm gonna take away. That's kind of my like my truth about this whole thing. That I'm, my takeaway is okay. Let's keep creating. Let's keep you know keep those crayons out and keep creating. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Nalaja. I 
apologize, I mispronounced your name earlier, but thank you so much. I saw somewhere that you, people call you Mimi as well. Is that correct? Okay. So all, that's how I know you know me. When you call me Nini, I'm like, oh, that that, that person knows me well. (laughs) That person knows you well. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your life and your experience with our listeners and with me. And I'm absolutely thrilled that you're interested in um, participating with WVSJ. Um, because we would love to, to have further talks and, and talk more about um, those opportunities. And so we're going to end up the podcast today. Thank you, everyone, you know, listening audience. Thank you so much for coming to the podcast here on Heroes Media Group. I'm your host, Bridget McCoy, the CEO and founder of Women Veterans Social Justice Network. And you have been enjoying a wonderful, wonderful uh, experience of listening to Nalaja tell us all about her experiences with her husband and travel and with the work that she does. Tell everyone how they can find you on the um, on the web. All right. Well, I am of course on Facebook under Nalaja Neely Montgomery. But if you just ah. type Nalaja Montgomery, you'll see me. Yeah. Um, and then, oh man, I'm on Instagram, uh, Nemonty. And then I believe it's the same handle for my Twitter. And I am on Snapchat. Oh, but I can't remember what my handle is on Snapchat. I'm horrible. <laughs> I'm not on there often, but um, I'm mostly on Facebook, like, every day, Instagram every day. So, Nimon, you'll find you? me on Instagram. On, yeah. on LinkedIn at all? Because that's oh, yes, LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Yes, LinkedIn. Um, Elijah Montgomery, again. Um, so, yep, same on LinkedIn. First name, last so, name. Yep. So we'll make sure that everyone has those links. Um, I'll add them to the podcast um, descriptions um, later today. But thank you all so much for listening and look forward to listening to our show next week. God showed me, here is where I'd be.